Hey y'all, you're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. This message is brought to you by Sunglow. By who? Who is Sunglow, Rosie? Sunglow. What is sunglow? Is that tanning lotion? I don't know what sunglow is. So everyone, if you haven't been able to tell by now, (laughs) this episode, we are talking about, it was was a great year, uh, the 1988 comedy slash romance, and in my mind, fairy tale, Coming to America, starring Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Sherry Headley, James Earl Jones, John Amos, a whole bunch of real other famous people. It has a whole bunch, actually has a whole bunch of real famous people in it. And I can honestly say this is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. And I'm sure it's not five. It is definitely an all-time favorite. I feel like every person, every every Black person at least had a, D, a VHS Ooh. of this at some point. Because that was definitely VHS time. <laughs> Dust it off put it in when you ain't have nothing else to watch. And if not, it came on TV all the time. So I'm sure that you may have seen it that way as well. (laughs) What, is it BET that that played it or VH1 that played it all the time? Comedy Central. (gasps) What? Another Viacom subsidiary though, you know. That's true. So that makes sense. I would would think it would be BET. (laughs) Don't pigeonhole us. (laughs) I know, right? I know, but VH1 was also on it on on the on the black movies. They actually played the Temptations more often than I thought they would. Because it's a it's a music movie. That's true. That makes sense. They played Jacksons a lot too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of music, I would like to just highlight all of the bops that came from this movie. <laughs> As you already uh, just terribly uh, horribly failed, uh, we have wow. the Soul Glow ad. <laughs> <laughs> You can be all the things you've always wanted to be. Beautiful, sexy, easy as one, two, three. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine through. Just let your soul, baby. Feeling oh so silky smooth. Just let it shine through. Just let We also um, (laughs) have She's Your Queen to Be. Man, listen, he had that role of just like being so like, you know, low affect. He didn't care about nothing or nobody except Prince Ikeem. And when he bust out in this high pitch, She's your queen to be. A queen to be forever. A queen <laughs> I think I want that to be the song that's played when I'm coming down the aisle. To One be day. used at your discretion, waiting only for your direction. That's that's what you want, son. Oh, just okay. kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. 
We I cannot know. forget the musical stylings of Sexual Chocolate, ladies oh. and gentlemen. <laughs> With Randy Watson as the lead singer. <laughs> I decided long ago Never to walk in in one shadow If I fail, if I succeed You can't take away my dignity <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> what you mean? That boy good. That boy is good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. <laughs> God damn, that boy can sing. You must be crazy. He good. You must be crazy. Oh my gosh. First of all, I think Eddie Murphy had way too much fun with makeup. And just being able to go into all these different, you know, characters, especially I forget the guy's name, the Jewish character. In the, that was in his. That was his name. Old white Jewish man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And the and the joke at the end, and he's like, "Aha, <laughs> aha, <laughs> where's the spoon?" Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait! Stop right there! Listen! Stop right there a minute! Man goes into a restaurant. You listening? A man goes into a restaurant. He sits down. He's having a bowl of soup. He says to the waiter, waiter, come, taste the soup. Waiter says, is there something wrong with the soup? He says, taste the soup. He says, is there something wrong with the soup? Is the soup too hot? He says, will you taste the soup? It's wrong. Is the soup too cold? Will you just taste the soup? All right, I'll taste the soup. Where's the spoon? Aha. 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 He was mad they didn't get his joke. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know from funny? But yes, no, this was definitely his first film where he played multiple characters. He actually stuck with that um, makeup artist and used him throughout the rest of his career on Nutty Professor and a bunch of other movies because he found that that knack of being able to play multiple characters in one film, the comedy that that brings. He would dress up dress up as the old Jewish man and just be on the set throughout the day. And some people <laughs> who didn't know that it was him if it wasn't, you know, they didn't have insight on the script. But um, wow. I also wanted to... <laughs> I also wanted to... Um, highlight his own musical because uh, we all know Eddie, Eddie is a singer because you know his girl like to party all the time and he uh, performed <laughs> To Be Loved for us To yes. Be Loved <laughs> <laughs> and I just love the people screaming out the window shut the hell up To <laughs> <laughs> <Do> Be Loved <laughs> Whoa, what a feeling <laughs> he was so happy he very much so was. And then I would be remiss if I missed um, the the special introduction that we were given to Peaches and Cream with. My name is Peaches and I'm the best. All the DJs want to feel my breath. I can't do it because I don't want to. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, please don't. I suck at beatboxing. Don't even have. So um, before we continue, though, we just um, want to take a minute to show our appreciation and thanks to, uh, I guess, our technically new sponsor. <laughs> so if you would like yes. to improve the sound quality or the visuals of any projects that you have, please uh, check out Boxed Up. 
So Donald Boone, make sure that we got these from our editor and uh, they have cameras and microphones and all different types of things to make your stuff go pop. So if you are interested in improving your quality of your content, check out uh, tryboxedup.com or visit them on Instagram at tryboxedup. This whole movie is number quotes. Right. Only to the end. This is beautiful. <laughs> what is this? Velvet? This is beautiful. What is that? Velvet? <laughs> <laughs> I think Simi, he was um he was real interesting. What was his role? Was he was he his like like his friend or his servant? It was, like his servant. So it was like Whatever he he told him to do, he did. Okay, all right. Very much so. so. I don't. I don't. If you're a woman, it's called a lady in lady in waiting. If you're a man, I don't. Is it a man in waiting? Is it just a servant? Is it an assistant? I would say he was like an assistant. I'll give Cindy that respect. I'll put some respect on his um, his man. role and say yeah. that he was an, a personal assistant. Yes, but he was high maintenance, baby. He was like, I need a manicure. <laughs> Listen at you. I am deeply in need of a manicure. <laughs> <laughs> he was something else. I think watching it now, you know, when, you, when you're looking at it from this from this critical lens of like mental <laughs> health, <laughs> and you see how we how we value like love and relationships, and then just the the roles, the gender roles. That was really interesting because like his his dad. Um, was like, I wait, what did he say about uh his, he thought that he was sleeping with his his bathers? I know we never had to talk about this, but I always assumed that you had sex with your bathers. I know I do. <laughs> he was so <laughs> proud of that. But then I've also I'm like, but that's a problem. Why is that okay? Right? Like that would literally be like the equivalent of like raping a slave because these women are in servitude roles. So unless they was like a king or Prince Akeem. <laughs> right. Like the royal penis is clean, your highness. Like, <laughs> what? We don't know she was cleaning it with her mouth. We don't know that. It would be very hard to do underwater. She would it die. Was. He would go through a servant a day. I mean, it looked like they had plenty to go through. <laughs> But it was the same ones each time. I assumed that there was, you know, uh, maybe a loofah in her hand that just stayed underwater. And she was down there scrubbing. Just what what they did was they allowed the audience to make an assumption on their own. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it was not OK. <laughs> I'm just thinking of what a terrible way to die that would be if you <laughs> drown underwater because you were cleaning the, the prince's penis. <laughs> With yeah. your mouth. <laughs> That's a real messed up way to go out. <laughs> the bad. family would definitely need like a, 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 a package for that. Okay. Write that $2 million check, King. Because, oh, and then, oh, so then uh, I forgot Mr. McDowell's uh, name, but. Um, Cleo. Cleo. So the whole idea that you're just going to marry her off, right? to this guy whose family has money. And I mean, is that wrong? I don't, I don't know. Maybe so I tried to give Cleo grace there and blame that more on Daryl. 
because even when Cleo is making the announcement, he says that um, Daryl has asked for Lisa's hand in marriage and she's happily accepted, which made it sound like he was told like, hey, I just asked her to marry me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like unless Cleo was an extreme asshole and then made that part of himself, <laughs> that might be a little bit different. But what he announced is that Daryl asked, she said yes. So guys, this is an engagement party. But which makes me feel like maybe I shouldn't give him that grace is that he didn't call Lisa to the stage. Exactly. He had Grandma Jerry Curl come up on stage and didn't have Lisa come up on and stage. Not stage, her. stairs. I'm sorry. Oh, it right. was stairs. <laughs> yes. It kind of did feel like a stage in that moment because it was like a whole thing. Like, yeah, a whole presentation. And she wasn't even a part of it, which also I think made sense for her to have such a intense reaction and being upset. Like, how you gonna allow this to happen in your house? You're my dad, and I'm not even up there. I'm not even a part of this. So, yeah. Next time you and my father want to make decisions about my life, I wish you at least tell me first. But I think that um, one, which is a valid point, and mm-hmm. I think to what you were saying earlier with um, Prince Akeem and his dad and him saying, I assumed you did have sex with your babies. And Prince Hakeem really wanting different for his life and not wanting right. that to be. And Lisa right. wanting the same thing. And I felt like this movie mm-hmm. was really uh, like a, was both of their characters challenging each of their family's tradition of marriage being used as a tool mm-hmm. to maintain for like, just in general, because I guess Cleo, you could say he had an empire as well, but to make mm-hmm. sure that marriage is used to maintain intergenerational power, wealth, and social status. And I guess prevent being broke because that was Cleo's biggest fear. And I definitely feel like the character, Mr. Krabs, was made from Cleo. I feel like they owe Eddie some money. Really? Oh, you don't I see know. the correlation. <laughs> now, now I'm like, I can see it because Pearl. <gasps> mm-hmm. oh my God. I feel like Mr. Krabs is just Cleo <laughs> as a lobster. <laughs> That is crazy. Oh, that's cool though. Wait, because who was who was Pearl's boyfriend or who was I have absolutely no idea. Probably didn't have one because wasn't nobody making no money in the bikini bottom. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So and as Cleo said, the boy has his own money. <laughs> <laughs> like literally. <laughs> that's too funny. So my other thing, so kind of going back to your point about the the empire and him being wedded, another part that also bothered me is that they were saying, yes, yeah, she this woman is um, raised to be a queen, to to act and be and you know, and it was like, wow, okay. And so she comes in and everything is whatever you like. <laughs> And I think even to the point where like she he has her hop on one foot and sound like an orangutan. And I think for the new the new one that came out, she's still hopping. <laughs> I don't understand this. Why is this okay? <laughs> Poor thing. Like you you really don't know. You you've been conditioned. It was and so confused. Wait, so it was so confused. It was like, no, no, no. Like, okay, make a noise like a dog. <laughs> right. A big dog. A big dog. <laughs> woof, 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 woof. Hop woof, on one leg. Woof, 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 woof. <laughs> but wait, so she's standing there. She's hopping. She, woof, woof, woof. Why the father walk in and was like, ah, 
I see the two of you are getting along. Like this. Right. This is what that means. <laughs> That's exactly what that is. <laughs> but, and then when you listen to the pep talk that he's giving him earlier that day, you know, the queen and the king are basically saying like, yeah, I was nauseated. <laughs> I was so, I was so nervous. I was nauseous, you know, when, when our arrangement happened. And he was like, and there's a thin line between nausea and love. What? But those are my two cents. Just looking at it from that perspective, I did feel Again, a uncomfortable. <laughs> why I appreciate though, and I think the movie points that out. I keep saying it is also tr- tradition that things must and always do change. I think Akeem was realizing <laughs> this don't seem okay. <laughs> I don't want to. I want someone that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. I want to have an equal partner. Mm-hmm. I want to have someone who can, you know, think for themselves <laughs> right yeah. so i do give akeem the credit there and um and a very progressive stance that he did not have to take as a, a an heir to an empire he could have very easily just been like well come on keep making keep popping keep making these orangutan noises and doing what i tell you to do <laughs> i also um wanted to point out that eddie was not the only person doing characters and how we can we cannot yes. forget that Ed, that Arsenio Hall was awesome. <laughs> Arsenio Hall was an ugly woman. I'm sorry, <laughs> ugly woman. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me coming over and sitting down. But I've been watching you all evening, and I want to tear you apart. And your friend too. <laughs> <laughs> and the pastor, he helped Gilligan get off that. <laughs> I love the Lord. <laughs> if loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> Being a dirty old man looking at them girls in their bikinis. <laughs> I feel good because I know there's a God somewhere. There's a God somewhere. Turn around, ladies, for me, please. You know there's a God who sits on high and looks down low. That was another moment. I was like, wait, this is Black awareness? (laughs) The Miss Black awareness pageant. (laughs) Yes. Okay. All right. Because you can't be an an awareness representative without a little booty. You're right. You're right. <laughs> she got a nice donation. <laughs> I think the quote that resonates with, I guess, our listeners the most would be, now we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather the kind that folds. <laughs> I know. I heard I was like, yes. <laughs> that's where that's from. <laughs> And I couldn't believe he didn't even put no money in there. He was like, mm. what's her boyfriend's name? Daryl. Oh, cheap sale. I hate his guts and his juicy part. Matter of fact, we could start with diagnosis with him. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I said that Daryl had histrionic personality disorder. So I bounced back and forth between narcissism, but then I kind of felt like, I don't know. I still, I guess maybe I'm still undecided. Mm. But I I landed, I just went histrionic because I don't know, maybe the Jerry curl made me. 
was the deciding factor. <laughs> because he had to be so into himself to get a jerry curl. And because you know, it. you got to keep it wet. You cannot have a dry jerry curl. You got to keep that thing juicy. I was so mad when all of them got up and they had them, that stupid stain on the couch. I said, I'd be, ooh. That's why. <laughs> Y'all buying me a new couch. The right. Soul Glow. Uh, <laughs> Soul Glow is paying for me a new couch. <laughs> that's why back in the day, they kept the plastic on the couch. It all makes sense. It it's all coming together. Sense. Wow. Because before that, the, all the Afro sheen might have been on your couch. Right. So, so you yeah. had to. And before that, the, the conk, the fried diet laid to the side might have, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why they kept it on for so many years. Even when it was busting out the seams, they kept that plastic on. Cutting up your body. Cutting up them thighs. <laughs> okay. Daryl and his histrionic. Yeah. <laughs> And so um, I said for him, histrionic personality disorder, which is a pervasive pattern of excessive emotionality and attention seeking um, with them being uncomfortable in situations in which he is not the center of attention. I thought about when they were at the basketball game and he made the completely unnecessary comment about what do y'all play in Africa? Chase the monkey. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna play even, Chase the Daryl in a second. You keep disrespecting me. Okay. <laughs> and he even like um mentioned like, oh, it must be different to wear clothes, to even wear clothes now. Like, so you trying to say all people in Africa are naked? You're rude. And um Um <laughs> interaction with others is often characterized by inappropriate, sexually seductive, or provocative behavior. Even when he was say talking to Akeem at the <laughs> engagement party, um, he mm. was talking about Lisa and was like, Yeah, women all want a man to take charge, tell mm. him what to do. And the way he was looking and saying it, I'm like, You're speaking to Akeem. Why are you doing it in such a provocative manner? Like, why are you why is your tone changing? Why are you looking lusty in the eye? Like it was just weird for me. Well, I think, <laughs> I think to that point, I think he kind of knew that Akeem was interested in her. And I think he was rubbing it in his face in that moment. Like, yeah, that's mine. I tell him what to do. Ew. That's just my perception. It's still <laughs> ill. <laughs> you may be right. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Displays rapidly shifting and shallow expression of emotion. Um, like when Akeem took down the mugger, he was like, yeah. I would have helped you while he was hiding in the corner. But, you yeah. know, I had a cup of coffee in my hand. I couldn't. You know. Right. Yeah, you could drop the cup of coffee or throw it on the person that is. Right. Help something. Right. Uh, <laughs> consistently uses physical appearance to draw attention to self. I mean, this old glow Jerry curl there. Mm-hmm. That I mean, but you, it is part of necessity. So, I again, I wasn't sure if that met full criteria because you do got to keep that curl wet. Okay, what about, and then also his car, you know, his mm-hmm. car, his dress. I mean, that jacket when he was at the game was kind of fly. I mean, I, it was I so fly. It. I'd wear that today. I'd wear it. <laughs> but I didn't have that in a men's small. I could fit that. Okay, thank you. I'll take one too. And then the last one being considering relationships to be more intimate than they actually are. And I feel like that was evidenced by him arranging an entire marriage between himself and Lisa. Okay, well, I can see that. And so to help you support and not go back to narcissistic If you feel like it fits narcissism more, I am torn. Well, because when you look at the first criteria, it has a grandiose sense of self-importance. I don't feel like that, I don't feel like it's unwarranted because of who he is. 
you know, he's the prince of Sogol. So Sol Glow. <laughs> Sogol. <laughs> what is that? Sounds like why is that giving you such a time tonight? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> I struggle. <laughs> Soul glow. Soul glow. Okay, anyway. Um, so I think maybe just having that that place of like he's put in this like pet on this pedestal because of who his parents are. It I don't know, maybe I can't. No, I've looked at the, the criteria and I fully support the narcissistic um, diagnosis now. Mm. And I don't know if it's just because I, this may be me and I would need to seek supervision if Daryl was my client, but he's so annoying. I hate his guts. Mm, <laughs> so some of these things I might be seeing out of context, like how you're saying he is, he does have a certain level of perceived uh, social status because he is the Prince of Soul Glow. Whereas if we took that away, would he still have these characteristics? Yeah. And yeah. I totally feel that he might. I think he just would have got a jury curl on his own. And because you don't say stuff like wearing clothes must be a new experience for you. That Maybe. has nothing to do with being the Prince of Soul Glow. You're just an asshole. Right. That's you're true. Un too. You're uncomfortable when it's not. You need that constant admiration. And like how Lisa was saying, Akeem presented himself in such a regal way that mm -hmm. that could have been intimidating for Daryl. And so mm -hmm. Akeem mm -hmm. didn't have to do anything or he didn't have to perceive at that point in time that Akeem was interested in, in Lisa. He just presenting himself in, in, a, in an alpha male way mm -hmm. that could have been intimidating to Daryl. Yeah. I think so. And and that goes to um, number number eight is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her. Mm -hmm. So I can see that. And, um, you know, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I, what stood out to me and I never saw it before was that he offered Mr. McDowell the uh, tickets to the Jets. Mm -hmm. You know, but and my parents got these and, you know, I figured you could you could use them. And, you know, so was that him, his way of buying his his daughter? Catching you know? the approval here. I can give you and I can shower you with these mm -hmm. things so you don't see that I'm really not that great of a guy. And I am not really meeting any of Lisa's emotional needs. <laughs> I am yeah. solely providing for her because even the conversation that they were having when, um, even the conversation that they were having when the he was getting a cup of coffee and Samuel Jackson came in to rob the the McDowell's. <laughs> <laughs> he was saying, like, why are you still working? You don't have to work. And she's like, I like working. And that was a family yeah. business and it was something for her. But he didn't see it that way. He was my lady shouldn't work. And I do we do really believe that he has that belief that he is special and, and can only be understood by others who are he deems as equally special because he saw Lisa on that level he can interact with her but he did not see Akeem and Simi in that level so he hit them <laughs> with that milkshake hey uh take care of this for me will you <laughs> okay right yeah he's an asshole for that <laughs> <laughs> he laughed so hard. <laughs> so, okay. I will say, I'll go back to the histrionic. Oh, mm -hmm. man, now I see why you're going back and forth with it. Because I didn't even think about histrionic. Um, but it made me think about Lisa's sister and how he came in when he was soaking wet. 
And she was like, oh, we need to get you out of those wet clothes. And he looks at the camera. He's easily, he's suggestible. Mm-hmm. Easily influenced by others or the circumstance. So you can mm-hmm. you can imagine what's happening after that. Again, it leaves the audience to kind of make a, you know. A little innuendo. Uh, first right. Open to suggestion. So exactly. then how about this? I propose and you say if you agree. We can agree that it is a cluster B personality disorder. We just need further assessment to determine between whether it is narcissistic personality disorder or it is histrionic personality disorder. Agreed. Yes. Boom. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> another one that came up for me was actually for, I can't even remember the overall name, the one that was hopping on one foot. Um, <laughs> I don't right? know if she even had a name, but her right. real name in real life is uh, Vanessa Bell Calhoun. Yes. Uh, Vanessa Bell. Would you, <laughs> would it be inappropriate to, uh, to put it under uh, dependent personality disorder? But we would have to rule out, uh, but we would have to not rule out, but take culture into consideration. That part. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Which also is why I was like, initially, it was really hard to diagnose anyone in this movie. Like, okay, Prince Ikeem is like, is he narcissistic? No, he's just a prince. But he also showed empathy. He also showed, you know, abilities to like, to feel for others, to, yeah, so... Yeah, I don't. Mm. I, I did I don't not. Have anything for him. I did not diagnose um, Prince Akeem or Lisa. I felt that both of them were sharing the same experience of trying to assert their independence in their family system. Both yeah. of them were expressing how they want their futures, their love life to look, and breaking away from the traditions and the viewpoints of specifically their fathers. And um, I definitely felt like if we look at this from a family systems theory, what we are seeing is this through this movie is the differentiation for both of them, them mm-hmm. asserting their independence, not falling into systems, not being manipulated by the, the, the patterns that their family systems had continued through throughout time. It's just that Lisa was honest with hers. Whereas Akeem lied to his father and told him that he was mm-hmm. going to sow his royal oats, but really he was looking for a queen where Lisa had a, and uh, granted, it may be because of the status or the position held by uh, their fathers. Lisa had a more open relationship and could communicate more with her father. So she was honest with hers and saying, I don't want to be with Daryl. I like Akeem. And mm-hmm. whereas Akeem was like, yeah, I'll come back and marry Imani. That was her name. I'll come back and marry Imani. Mm-hmm. But really, I'm going to go look for my own woman because the stuff you talk about is crazy. <laughs> I want a woman that can think. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I felt like um, if I did see, if I did have them as either one of them as a client, I think that it would be more so um, early marital couples counseling in a way, because Mm -hmm. they both are really taking big steps away from tradition and their familial patterns. And so what's asking them the questions would be very important of what do you want your marriage to look like? What things do you want to hold on as far mm-hmm. as tradition? What things do you want to let go of in your relationship? And how does that look with leading? How is your family going to lead Zamunda? And most importantly, how is this a relationship going to be? Really, we need to talk about how is your relationship going to be impacted by the original lie? Because the, the relationship was initially based on a lie. I came, you were lying to Lisa. How does mm-hmm. that impact y'all's relationship going forward? So one of the V codes that I would give it um, 
would be phase of life problem, B62.89. So phase of life problem. Um, and I can imagine there's additional ones, especially related to marriage. But I do like that you're mentioning that it's important for them to have this conversation. Um, even, even at the end, when she was like, were, were you really were you really willing to give up all of this for me? And he was like, yeah, of course. We can give it up right now if you want to. And she looks around. She's like, nah. You know, <laughs> um, what does your future together look like now that you have this merging of cultures and one being um, an African or Zamunda culture and then another being U.S. Black culture? How, what does that look like? How do you see yourselves moving forward with that? And that can present some challenges, of course. So. In any relationship, definitely. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, I did not diagnose, but I just want to take a second mm-hmm. and just address because it really bothered me in my spirit. And I just, mm-hmm. again, added to why I appreciate Prince Akeem. Prince Akeem, if you're really a prince, I'll marry you. <laughs> <laughs> because I just appreciate him so much because Louis Armstrong's character, Maurice, he was just happy. There is mm-hmm. diagnosis, no diagnosis. That man was happy with his life. He was fulfilled. He had a sense mm-hmm. of purpose. He had goals that he was working towards. And Simi mm-hmm. tried to shit on that man's happiness. Oh, he said, yeah. yeah, with the that's when the big bucks start rolling in. And Simi, ha, uh-huh, huff and puff and walk away. Simi, you know that that's not your life. You know that y'all not even going to be here for two years or whatever, right. how, however right. long it takes to make assistant manager when the big bucks start rolling in. You know mm-hmm. that you're not going to be there that long. Why even show disgust with this man's happiness? You see that this is bringing him pleasure. Mm-hmm. This is bringing him joy. This is the reason why he gets mm-hmm. up every day. That's why I appreciate Prince Akeem. Re- really? Just two years, huh? That's all it's... Well, all right. Yes. You got this. <laughs> Pick him up. Let him have his happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He showed very, he showed very good, uh, true quality of leadership there with bigging up that person and letting that person be happy for what his role was. Because Simi mm-hmm. tried to shit on that man's life. <laughs> well, and you know that goes to the social classism here, right? The the social economic status between the two. Simi is now he's withholding who he is, but. When you look at it, they're almost on the same play on the same playing field, right? Because Simi is, is a is a servant. We're not gonna act like Simi not getting broke off though. We're not gonna act like Simi ain't I living mean, a lifestyle. Is. He is <laughs> but if he was if he were to be fired and removed, he would he would have to resort to a different type of lifestyle, right? So it's like I felt like in that, from that reaction, it was like a sense of, well, your job is 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 nothing compared to to what I'm capable yeah. of and what I do and, and the type of income I have. Get on my level type mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I think that is sad because in our society now, it's like this constant grind of wanting to be better and not being happy with where we are with the simple little things we have. We always have to want more because someone comes in and is like, oh, that's it. And then we push ourselves to do more because that one little motherfucker has something to say. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Okay. See, just ignore the simmies of the world when they try to stop stop your light from shining bright. And be a Prince Akeem. Okay. You big up people. You let them have their happy moments. And, and even if you know better. Mm-hmm. If, you do if better. You say, just, 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 huh. 
It shouldn't take you no damn two years washing lettuce before you could be assistant manager. It's only got damn five employees in this bitch. <laughs> but you let them have they happy, which Simi did not do. And why I have two. I have one for certain and I have one maybe. So mm-hmm. I was also thinking that I might need to rule out histrionic personality disorder for Simi too. Because he... Oh was very sexually suggest- suggestive and speaking in provocative manners and uh, and was mm-hmm. happy to be bathed properly by the bathers okay. who we assume are being <laughs> <laughs> bathed in their silent servitude. But, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. even when he said get bathed, he looked at the one girl and she was like, mm-hmm. okay, I gotta bathe them. But, <laughs> and being upset by not having the... Um, by not having a manicure within a certain amount. Oh no, not having sex with since they had gotten to America. And when the one girl who they were on the speed dating, I almost with said, I'm into the group thing. He was kind of excited he and he kind of liked it. that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, oh no, send me. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that that is what Prince Akeem wants to do with the woman he's trying to make his wife. <laughs> you might want to reevaluate that, but definitely uh, wanting to be the center of attention and told Patrice that he was in fact the king and mm-hmm. used a little manipulation there which he was did. not okay either the shifting and shallow expression of emotions and the I say that with and the theatricality most importantly mm-hmm. I say that when he opened the door for King Jaffe's chauffeur <laughs> and screamed at the top of his lungs and hurry up and shut the door and then opened it back up and King <laughs> so happy to see you Your Majesty, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, it makes me think about how he um, went and got the the jacuzzi and really spruced up the place, fixed up the place, as he said. Prince Akeem said, told mm-hmm. him to do. Uh huh. Yeah, I guess. Okay, I agree. I came with to take his money. He said, please, Akeem, do not take my pocket change. <laughs> right. Thousands of dollars is your pocket change. Wow. I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it sticks out every time. <laughs> a pocket change? <laughs> yeah, because Mortimer and Randolph got that pocket change. And they was like, hey, we back. Let's we do back, lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Randolph, Randolph. <laughs> Mortimer. Who, who names her child back? What? I would never so ugly. I'm sorry. There's a Mortimer out there. It's a beautiful. Yeah, Mortimer's. We we appreciate you. We know that you're probably going through a struggle on your own, and we do not want to add to it. But the diagnosis that I was for certain on, and definitely um, wanted to express, was the adjustment disorder with depressed mood, um, because he definitely had some low mood and almost hopelessness that he was expressing. He did not want to go to work. He said it's filthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, clean it up, but you will go to work. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wax on, wax on with them windows. Um, Terrible. But we definitely see the marked distress out of proportion of the severity or the intensity of the stressor. Like this is not your life. Simi, mm-hmm. you know that you're going home. Just chill, chill till we go. But he couldn't. He was like, this is the best woman that New York has to offer. Pick one so we can look up. Mm-hmm. Wrap it this mm-hmm. up. He and wasn't with the we... shit. No, <laughs> at all. 
And so with the duration of it as well, I felt like he definitely met the criteria for adjustment disorder with having a hard ability or hard time just adjusting to life in America as a (laughs) average college student working at McDowell's. What was the name of the college he came up with? American what? Um, um, University of the United States. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, we never heard that. It's very small. We do not even have a basketball team. Okay, so wait, pause. Can we talk about how Akeem's accent is exactly the same as Vampire in Brooklyn? Okay, I just need, I just needed to mention it. I just need to throw it out there I, because you know, it was I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it because I felt the same way. I was like, his accent don't even sound like it's African though. Mm-mm. It did. Mm-mm. It never once sounded African. It sounded more like I don't even know. <laughs> It wasn't a good accent. Sorry, Eddie. You're great at everything else but that. <laughs> An African accent is just not your forte. Yeah, we'll just get you a dialect coach. You know, you, we can work on that. Yeah. I did, however, diagnose King Jaffe Jofair with obsessive... <laughs> with obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Mm. And so I felt like he could potentially benefit some from some maybe some psychoeducation because that could help him, you know, assist him in his ruling and leading of the empire. However, it does seem that a lot of this is it helped him be the kind of leader that he was. It helped him maintain the order that he did in Zamunda and it helped him kind of. Unfortunately, it it was hindering him with his adherence to the tradition. And so Mm -hmm. obsessive compulsive personality disorder is a pervasive pattern of preoccupation with orderliness, perfection and mental and interpersonal control at the expense of flexibility, openness and efficiency. And that's even something that we hear when him and Queen Aeolion are talking in the backseat of the car. And he's like, it's tradition. It's the way we do things. Who am I to change it? And she look at him and say, I thought you was the king. Okay, I say you better get him together, girl. Hmm. She won't nauseous no more. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So the criteria that I felt that fit for King was the preoccupation with details, rules, lists, order, and organization, or schedules to the extent that the major point of the activity is lost. Mm. He is having breakfast with his son, and they're not, they're at across a table. Right, speaking over intercom. How are you spending quality time together there? And he's like, oh, he's coming over. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> <laughs> they were so panicked. Like, this is so out of the norm. Is <laughs> <laughs> excessively devoted to work and productivity to the exclusion of leisure activities and friendships. He, We didn't see him with any real relationships outside of Aeolion and his clearly had was struggling with his relationship with his son. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the only leisure activity he had was having sex with his bathers. Okay, now listen. <laughs> now we need to we need to get him a life. Can we put that on the treatment plan, please? Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> ah, <laughs> uh, over conscientious, scrupulous, and inflexible about matters of, in this case, would be values. Mm-hmm. And then we also have reluctance to delegate tasks or to work with others unless they submit exactly to his way of doing things, which everyone was ordered to submit to his way of doing things because he was the king. And then mm-hmm. showing rigidity and stubbornness, which he definitely did. And oh, yes. Aeonion called him out on that. Stop being so stubborn. 
Mm-hmm. They're in love. Put a sock in it. <laughs> yes. I was like, thank you. Hurt that poor girl feelings. Had to run out the house. And he didn't even feel no type of way. He was like, I'll write you a check for it. I would have been so insulted. <laughs> he was. This is America, Jack. America. He <laughs> was ready to beat him up. I would definitely be remiss, though, if we talk about the lack of Disney's um, <laughs> creativity. Because Coming to America came out with through Paramount Pictures. Paramount Pictures is owned by Walt Disney Company. And James Earl Jones and the Queen... Definitely pay, blah, definitely play the roles mm-hmm. of Mufasa and what, Sarabi? Ain't that the mama name? I never knew the mama name. I think it's Sarabi. But they yeah. definitely, they were like, oh, we need a king and queen. When have mm-hmm. we seen an African king and queen before? Never, because we're Disney and we don't do any research back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So let's just, you know, we saw it in Coming to America. Let them do it again, which I they killed the embodied the roles. Yeah, I thought the music was similar too. Like the beginning, is that the same type of music that it was? Okay, what was I say? That sounds like it. I could, I could see, I could see the, the correlation that you're making there. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Look at just Disney just recycling. They don't have no original thoughts. But also <laughs> that um, not only did the role of Lion King have these similar actors in the roles. But mm-hmm. also, if you think about um, going way back with Roots, that James mm-hmm. Earl Jones and uh, Mae Sinclair is her name. Mae mm-hmm. Sinclair paid husband and wife in that movie, too. Oh. Lots of connections. Lots of connections. Lots. Hmm. So, actually, I did want to go back to one of the, the characters. Let me see. So, I would say... As far as, is her name Lisa? Ma'am, I need you to know the the names of the (laughs) What is her name? (laughs) Lisa is Prince Akeem's love interest. Okay, yeah. I think maybe we can add a culturation difficulty as far as like um, a Vico because her coming to Zamunda is definitely going to be something that she's going to have to get used to um, as well. And I think that was what um, Simi also went through <laughs> coming to America and trying and living the the poor man's or what did, what did he say about Queens? Um, take him to the the most common parts. Yes, the most common part being a commoner. <laughs> you know, we throw codes in there because they matter. You get paid for that shit too. <laughs> But definitely, I think Lisa will have a lots of adjustments to do. And even the relationship that she has moving forward with her dad, Cleo, because Cleo basically wanted the same things as the king. But mm-hmm. as we as he told us, this is America, Jack. And so with the perception <laughs> of freedom that America prides itself on, and I say perception there because that's really all of it is, but the perception of freedom. He has more flexibility with that, but he also did not have the same pressures or demands or responsibilities that the king had, which allowed Cleo the, the opportunity to change his mind towards the kids a little bit easier. So when he was insulted with the uh, with given, being given a check, he was like, OK, well, if they're you know in love, like don't talk about my daughter like that. She's just on the same level as he is. And just being a little bit more accepting of their relationship, especially with the presence of money, because really that's all that he mattered, that mattered to him because he didn't want them to be poor because he is Mr. Krabs. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, cares about that money, baby. Yes. And so that leads me to the last character that I have to diagnose. Um, I don't know if it's the same for you, but Patrice. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I didn't even diagnose her, but she did have some issues. What you give her? <laughs> so I have two different theories on Patrice. I had to think long and hard about this. Mm-hmm. And so... I wanted to say, like, here's my theories. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Is it that she is, A, option one, behind Mm -hmm. door number one? Mm -hmm. Is she actually a just a liberated, slightly spoiled young woman who is not afraid of being forward and being direct for the things that she wants, who is happens to be sex positive and comfortable Mm -hmm. with her sexual expression? And it is our own colorism that attributes Mm -hmm. a perception of promiscuity to her darker skin. Mm -hmm. or is it option number two and we need to add another diagnosis to our dsm podcast idealistic made up dsm that you know we making up in our minds and in the body dysmorphia section we add internalized colorism whereas Mm -hmm. as she says like why does lisa always get the good ones and so the colorism that she's experiencing that is told by others she and expressed towards her she then um internalizes that and it causes impairment in her own self-perception and as a result mm-hmm. she feels a need to use her sexuality to prove to others that she is worthy and mm-hmm. that the exit her mere presence needs to be respected and affirmed in such a way is there a door number three no that was my two theories Oh, oh, yeah, you did say too. My bad. Um, wow. Can it be a both end? It can. She could be sexual. I I don't know. Because can you be sexually positive and comfortable with your sexual expression, but then also using as it using it as a tool based on your insecurities because of your internalized um, oppression? I think so. How? Well, I mean, her being empowered, yeah, recognizing that this is something that she's struggling with or something that she's lacking or area that she's lacking in. But and she's not lacking. It's the, it's lacking. the perception. The of perception. Because she was cute. She was. Um, except for those earrings when she was over at their house. Those earrings were just not it for me. Sorry. And anyway. the little the little outfits that, you know, come yes. in like tiny and they stretch. Remember those yes. shirts? Yes. <laughs> yes. Any of our listeners, if you were alive during the early 2000s, they, were, you, they had these outfits that were the size of like a deck of cars. But you stretch it. And it it's becomes a, a whole shirt or a skirt or mm-hmm. <laughs> a that's what she top. was wearing. Yeah, that's exactly what she was wearing. Um, <laughs> the matches scrunchy. With the matches scrunchy, baby. <laughs> With a whole little kit. We need to bring those back out. Those were so really well. Um, so I think because it, it's like an empowerment. Like, yes, I'm recognizing that this is something that I'm feeling, but how can I how can I make myself feel better or how can I take power over that and not let it be something to cause me distress or to cause me discomfort and while it could be a a good thing as far as like her sexual identity i mean or her what what did you call it oh just being sex positive and comfortable with her sexual expression yeah 
I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not making sense. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I get it. But it's it's giving very much so like lost child. It's giving mm-hmm. uh, favoritism. It's giving mm-hmm. because like not even just with the men of interest that we have in the film with Daryl and with Akeem, but like why is Lisa working in the office at the restaurant and Patrice can just help out and hand out burgers at the Black Awareness Rap? Right. Why Patrice she, ain't got a job mm-hmm. working in the office? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think of garbage, you think of Akeem. So when we think of Patrice, what is we supposed to think about? Right. She ain't got a role in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that may be playing a part of it too, because it, it, what we, the systems and the patterns rather that we create in our family of origin, we very much so play those out when we are seeking romantic partners. And so Mm -hmm. I think if Patrice was my client, we would maybe do a little uh, REBT, a little rational emotive behavioral therapy, looking at what some of those irrational beliefs are and challenging some of those to get to a healthier place. Um, Because even if she is a liberated woman Mm -hmm. who is comfortable with her sexual expression, She's still a little spoiled and we still need to, we still need yeah. to, you know, address that if nothing else. <laughs> yes, she is definitely still spoiled. And she's, you know, maybe she wasn't in the office because she's the, the younger one, right? So um, not feeling that she's ready for that type of role or she's um, responsible enough for that type of role um, and assuming that maybe there's no interest for her there, you know, and mm-hmm. she might want to do something else. Whereas Lisa made mention that she was interested in maintaining the family's business. And sometimes that happens in family systems too, where, you know, if there's a family business, there's usually a few siblings who are like, I want no parts of this family business. And that maybe <laughs> one who's like, okay, I can see myself taking it over type thing. Or in most cases, no one wants to take over the family yeah. business. <laughs> so, you know, one thing I never thought about too is that Patrice potentially could be reminding Cleo mm-hmm. of his wife. Like maybe Patrice mm-hmm. has features or something, just something about her, the way that she carries herself, talks, walks, mm-hmm. looks, anything, reminds Cleo of his wife who passed away. And that could be mm-hmm. hurtful for him. And so he focuses more of his attention on Lisa. Like there's so many things that potentially yeah. could be at play at here that we don't really know the full story about, but would be very interesting to work through if we had oh, any yeah. one of these individuals as a client at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, going back to the stereotypes of colorism, especially in the early nineties or late eighties um, and the woman, the, the roles of, of those women, you know, and it's hard not to make assumptions based off of that, especially during that time, just a clear, just a clear difference in between the two of them. Um, you know, she was a lot more rowdy and dancing and excited. And, you know, Lisa is just so calm and concerned about finding a <laughs> lover. Like, yeah, it, it does. It does play into that for sure. Definitely. And which I feel like would be a, a wrong that would need to be righted. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. But it was 88. So. I mean, the barge was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) We forgive you. (laughs) The barge 
Fire's is fire. I, they get a lot of hate. Fire's, them, that family could sing. Nothing brings out child abuse. I mean, nothing brings out talent in large families like child abuse. Um, so which is a horrible sad. thing. It's a horrible, horrible thing. But Motown <laughs> seems that that is their business model. That was their business if are, model. If you are going to be a child on this record label, you need some struggle. You need to at least have a pet mouse that kept you company. Okay. I mean, Stevie was blind. There had to be some form of struggle. Oh, Motown. Man. I still. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna stop all this Motown slander. I feel like we do this every other episode, but. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like prognosis is very well for everybody involved. I hope that the, I I feel that the only person who may continue to struggle is Daryl. And that's for my own personal desire to see him struggle. But other than that, um, I mean, Jerry Curls only lasted a few more years after the making of this film. So I imagine unless they really dove into those home weave uh, Mm. products. Right. That could have potentially been very lucrative. But if they did not invest all of their efforts in that direction, then that Jerry Curl money (laughs) had to dry up. All pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) I think they went into the um, the relaxer field, the industry. Even more evil. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. I'm going to say that they stuck with the home weave. Daryl's kids now are uh, pushing lace fronts online and Soul Glow is still alive and popping because I need that for a black business, but I hate Daryl. <laughs> But I just also want to give a shout out to the dopeness of this movie. This was Eddie's first time doing an all-black casted film. There were only Mm -hmm. three white-speaking roles, two of them going to Mortimer and Randolph. (laughs) Don't forget the cab driver. Oh, yes, because what does dumb fuck mean? (laughs) (laughs) But um, it was difficult for him to put out, and so I really appreciate Eddie because this was the first one, but it also was not his last one. But the Paramount Pictures was like, we're not doing the movie if we don't have some some more white people in it, which is why Louis mm-hmm. Anderson's character was even put in the film altogether. It's because Paramount wow. was like, it's a little, it's a little dark. Wow. Need to put some more white folks in here, which is which is terrible. Um, <laughs> mm. And as a result of all of the tension that was that existed on set, uh, Eddie Murphy definitely ended up choking out or attempting to choke out the director over a joke about how the crew was getting paid. Because mm. I guess you don't talk about Eddie's mer- money. Okay. Don't Keep your hand it. out of my pocket. Don't count my, my, my dollars. And the idea of the movie came actually from Eddie himself. He had wrote like 10 pages out on some paper. And presented mm-hmm. it to the production team. And then they got started after they got it greenlit. Which is very exciting. But also very frustrating. Because, frustrating because I don't feel like we got another movie about a Black king or a Black prince until Black Panther. Yeah, and no, and Lion King does not count because that's a, that's an animal. That's true. <laughs> and we, we don't know what color that animal is. Okay. I don't give it. I mean, he black. He would be black because it's African. I don't know. It don't matter. He's an animal. <laughs> <laughs> they always try to make black characters animals or or creatures or blobs right. of, of spirits. Yeah. I'm talking to you, soul. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> this movie actually did really well when it came out, which also helped eliminate eliminates the myth that I don't know why continues to exist that black films do not do well because this film made 288 million the first year from a 35 million dollar budget and was the second highest uh selling 
film of that year, only being topped by Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was a really good movie, too. I love that movie. I do love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that, especially um, with his issues with, the, with um, you said the director. You almost shot out the director. Yeah, they actually was homies. They had dead trading places together. But since then, the, the the director's a little bit of an asshole, but they was homies. And basically, Eddie had was really feeling himself heavy. Like he was being a bit of a like a, a, mm-hmm. a Hollywood diva. He had a whole entourage. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what we find out later is that Eddie also suffers from depression himself. And so he battled with having issues with his mood and things like that and so he would present angrily towards others to kind of back them away because he was really trying to self-isolate but he still had all of this work to get done and James Earl Jones called him an, an arctic wind because that was the presence that he had very cold on set they said the mm. only time they enjoyed being around him was what when he was dressed up as those characters because then he was his fun loving self he was being silly and entertaining which is unfair because it's not my job to entertain y'all it's my job to act when that camera goes on so Mm. there's that but um so they got into it and they at first they wasn't speaking to each other they didn't even speak to each other at the premiere but then eddie made sure that the same director was also hired to do beverly hill cop beverly hills cop three because even if i choke you out you were still the homie and i'm gonna get you your money (laughs) you do good work (laughs) respect that so um, one last thing, um, tell me, do you know anything about why Zamunda? Because it's definitely not a real place. <laughs> it's not. So apparently there, one of the writers knew someone whose last name was Zamuda. And the director was like, we're not naming this country Zamuda. And so he put an N in it and it was Zamunda. <laughs> oh. so I'm sorry that the story wasn't more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's very anticlimactic. oh okay well but we also would be remiss if we did not mention how uh that uh cuba goodings jr's speaking part in the barbershop definitely got cut out he talked about how he took his date to the movie because he was like i'm in my just my first film i'm about taking my girl and he gets there and his whole speaking part was definitely cut out of the film and he's just sitting there in the chair getting a fake haircut with them scissors very very far away from his fro (laughs) Right, like just looking cute. He was a cute little boy. <laughs> Can you imagine how embarrassing that is? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, my part coming up. Go to the go okay. to the viewing, and, <laughs> and his, his part is cut out. He's just sitting there while Eddie Murphy behind him screaming, "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you." Who's next? Right. <laughs> Love it, love it. But I feel like there are many, many quotes that we did not mention in the episode, but I feel like the the episode would have been three hours long had we talked about every single one that exists in this film. I feel like there are lots of key ones that we even missed out on, but, you know, write them in the comments for us. You know, go ahead and make that happen. Share your favorite ones that maybe we didn't touch on. We appreciate that, too. I mean, at the end of the day, the biggest thing, the biggest lesson we learned was how to make french fries. Mm-hmm. At least we learned how to make french fries. That's a really sick one. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> if for no other reason other than I just don't know when I'll have this opportunity again, I just wanted to say, hey, Stu, 
Rich do, motherfucker. I'm trying to fall down the stairs. Shit, you conscious. <laughs> then he, but he wakes up and then farts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> now, if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app. And as Lisa said, we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM podcast, and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye, you cinephile.